Welcome to Today's Entrepreneur, a program about the entrepreneurial spirit, the Jobs Quebec business presented by FL Montreal, Dan Delmar and Mike Newton with you uh, for another edition. Welcome back, Mike. Hey, Dan. How you doing? Good. How are you? Good. Thank you. This, uh, this time on the program, lots to get to. We're going to talk about persuasion uh, and listening, a couple of key skills. Uh, we're going to talk to our profile of the show, Karine Adrisi. She's from Influence All Management. It's an influencer agency, so kind of what I do, PR, but but also very different. Um, so I'm really interested in, in discovering that world, the New York kind of influencer world. Also later in the show, tax uh, consultant Peter Joseph Moraitis on the program about the corporate tax a year-end planning situation and some possible tax changes ahead of the next budget. Um, but first, Mike, um, we haven't spoken in a couple of weeks. It's been a, an interesting time for FL. We want to start on on a serious note because your team has um, experienced uh, a loss recently, and and it's worth addressing. And um, it's worth addressing as well how um, how you've helped your team cope through it and, and, um, and our condolences, by the way, from, from everyone here. Thanks, Dan. Yeah, it's been, it's been a rough 10 days, uh, last, not this past Tuesday, but the Tuesday before, and Karin Bio, who's been with us for about 15 years, uh, passed away at 39 years old from a pulmonary embolism, uh, hadn't felt good for a few days and, uh, just kind of happened, uh, caught everybody, uh, off guard, uh, an individual who clearly took up uh, a lot of space with her, her friendship and her leadership and 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 her just general jovial, pleasant personality. Um, I come in early every morning, and every morning she beat me in, and if I got this big smile on her face, she'll just stand up and say good morning to me, kind of like ah, I beat you in again. And she was just a she was just a prize, and it's really sad. Um, you know, the many of our shows that we've talked about this year have, have focused on resilience, uh, have focused on, you know, bouncing back from, from heartache or hardship as we've gone through COVID and we watch really people getting sick around us and passing away or just starting to suffer. And, you know, you, you hope you never really have to show it uh, to your own team and, and that close to home but unfortunately we have and, and i will tell you that the one thing that you know you're kind of like a parent when you lose somebody that young that's been with you for so long um i hired her 15 years ago so you know there was definitely some kind of almost parental link there when you when you look at it from that perspective and um you know you you look at the other side and you say as much as I was heartbroken, was as proud as I was of the rest of the team and their ability to step up, uh, reach out. Uh, all of a sudden, you know, we went from 20 people one day to 40 people would come in, people trying to all of a sudden help and see what they could fix and see what they could be involved in and, and, and change things. And it, it was really, a, it was really a, a very strong moment, I think, of, of team spirit, uh, you know, certainly in the uh, you know, uh, uh, the mode of what Ankarin would have loved to have seen. So, well, you know, it was a heartbreaking moment. It was uh, a real true pleasure to see that, you know, we've all created an environment that allows us to build back and bounce back. And the one thing we've always said is you don't bounce back alone, you bounce back as a team. Well said, Mike. And uh, and again, our uh, our thoughts are, are with your team at FL on, uh, on, on a rough couple of weeks and um, your, your ability to just press on is really admirable. So um, hang in there, everyone. Let's talk about, um, meanwhile, communicating with your team, especially under difficult circumstances. And you wanted to mention this piece uh, from HBR about listening to your team and, um, and how to be an active listener if, if you're a leader. 
Yeah, I mean, part of it revolves around the whole concept of, of many leaders living in a bubble at the end of the day. I mean, you, you kind of live in a glass house to a certain degree where you either get too arrogant or you get too comfortable uh, thinking you know everything and you don't spend enough time listening to people and being in the trenches with everybody. Uh, you know, it's been a bit, been a, a topic of some uh, discussion, I guess, over the years about, you know, working from home and how do you lead people if you're working from home and you can't be there rolling up your sleeves and, you know, I guess we all make, you know, the old older generation that I fall into now kind of makes reference to down in the trenches and, and rolling up your sleeves. And it's very difficult to do. And, and if you're not going to be a part of it. So what you have to watch out for is, is you know, it's a, I look but the, the first point reminds me of my father teaching me to drive, which is protect against blind spots. You know, you know the one thing you look for when you're learning to drive is, is, is those areas that you can't see. Well, as a leader and living in that world, I mean, you have to try and protect yourself against blind spots. You need to be able to listen to people and understand all of those things that you can't see. And as much as you think you see, you don't see at all. So you need to be creating an environment that, that makes sense. Uh, another one that's very interesting is de-emphasizing hierarchy. And, 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 and you know, you'll say to me, well, there's got to be a hierarchy within an organization. And I, and, and I think the key word here is de-emphasizing. It's not eliminating hierarchy. And the focus of de-emphasizing hierarchy is if you do it properly, everybody knows there's a hierarchy. And you never have to invoke it or pull rank in order to get things done. It's just, it's an understood. And I think that's where a lot of people make the mistake. People will stand up and say, my business card says I'm your manager and that's just the way it's going to be. And you should be able to have an environment where, you know, the conversations there without, without like I said, pulling rank in, in any kind of situation. The moment you pull rank, you're done. The trust factor is, is gone in that exercise. Um, Look, another thing that has been rough in the last 12 months is, you know, give permission for people to share bad news. I mean, we live in a world where everybody wants to hear good news unless it's the media. And then we're happy to hear and, and watch CNN and, and Fox on the negative news. But the reality of life in our businesses is most leaders want to just hear the good stuff. OK, and you have to be able to listen to the bad stuff in order to get to the good stuff. Um, you know, one of the things that is, is, is often not found is an early warning system. You know, how do you trigger something before it's too late? How do you know before it's already happened? How do you know in time to react to something? And I think that that's a, a vital piece of information. And again, most of that comes from, from communication. Um, you know, it's, it's key. It's, it's, it's vital that, you know, you're not so arrogant and narcissistic that you sit atop your, your white horse thinking, you know, it all when everybody that's in the trenches, uh, or, uh, you know, has an idea of what's going on their opinion. I hate to say it. And it doesn't, it doesn't bode well with most leaders is equally important as ours. And, and at the end of the day, you need to know what's, what's happening. Mike, we're going to talk a lot about persuasion on the program today. A quick a word about that in, in terms of, uh, you know, being uh, being able to persuade as a leader. Yeah, you know, it was, it was interesting as, as, as we were doing a little bit of homework for the episode and, and, and knowing that uh, Corinne was coming on, uh, you know, one of the things that we looked at was, you know, persuading the unpersuadable. And, you know, and, and maybe not from a market condition, but more within an organization is how do you persuade people that are generally unpersuadable? Uh, you know, uh, there's, there, there's pretty much four areas that kind of stand out. Uh, ask a know-it-all to explain how things work. You know, the moment you ask somebody and you call them out on how something works, you'll see a very different attitude than uh, than just saying, yeah, 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 I know everything. Uh, you know, let us let a stubborn person person seize the reins. 
Uh, you know, the moment you put them in charge, the moment they have to try and invoke something, uh, there's a very different perspective. I've always said the easiest job in the world is being the leader of the opposition and the hardest job is being the prime minister. And whether you whether they're of your political persuasions or not, those two statements hold true. Um, you know, find the right way to praise a narcissist. Uh, if you do it properly, it, you can, you know, you can you can go a really long way in making that narcissist feel even more even more important to himself. And then the last is is to have the gumption and 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 the uh, and the strength to disagree with the disagreeable. You know, there's a lot of people don't want to disagree because they're afraid of the implications. They're afraid of of what it's going to look like. And if you can take those four factors and you work them in, you'll find that you can take some of the most difficult people and start to break down uh, where you thought they were uh, they were not persuadable. That you can actually find a way to to make an influence. Mike, let's get to our guest. She is actually a returning champion on the program. She was here uh, for her creative agency. Sunday Collective, and uh, now she has another business uh, that she started a few years ago, and uh, Kareen Idrisi is back. She is now the founder of Influence All Management. Kareen, welcome back. Thank you. I'm very excited to be back and to talk about persuasion. Persuasion, absolutely. Influencing. Um, yes. Mike, how, are, are, you, are you influenced by any influencers? Is there anywhere <laughs> out there in the ecosystem where, uh, where you're, just, you're just really buy into it to one person who's going to sell you something? Um, no, I really am not. I, I like to, I, I like a wide variety of information. I really do. It's a bit, you know, kind of joke about, you know, listening to far left, far right, and then middle center news in order to get to, you know, take the average of the three to find reality. Uh, I think from a lot of places, uh, you know, it goes, I think anything that it, it, that is captures the heart, anything that's emotionally based, I think we are much more susceptible to an influencer uh, than we are when we're looking for cold fact, or at least that's the case in in my situation. So, Kareen, in, in, in your estimation, can you define an influencer for us and also just define your business, Influence All Management? Absolutely. So, Influence All Management, we're actually going on our fifth year anniversary. So, that's kind of exciting. So, we were really there at the true beginning of it all. I know every agency wants to say we were spearheading and all that, but I truly believe that we did do it and we kind of tapped into it before it kind of exploded just because of my other agency where we are uh, more PR-based, relationship-based. So we started to work with influencers and then it naturally shifted into managing influencers and that's where Influencer became a thing. Uh, in terms of what an influencer is, it's such a... Not that it's a tacky word by any means, but it's the fact that someone can persuade you into making a decision, whether that be a purchase decision, whether that be an opinion decision. Uh, they tend to be extremely opinionated, which is why you will follow them, whether you hate them or love them. And more so than ever, influencers have been extremely important during COVID-19. Um, at first, it was really scary because no one knew what to do from a budget perspective, but then we kind of realized really, really quickly that, especially from a marketing perspective, that that was the only way to get the message out there. So in order to persuade people, uh, influencers became extremely important and crucial. So I'll tag back into my the, the first part of the segment. So I'm sitting atop my white horse in my glass house. Uh, mm -hmm. how, how, are you going to, how are you going to impress upon me to use a persuader? And what, what, what's it <laughs> going to bring to me as part of my organization? It's interesting. And I feel like this is like the elevator pitch, but truly, if you're just trying to get your message out there in general, you know, we, we have clients uh, from very different backgrounds. I don't, I can't say that we've ever worked with an accounting agency or firm, but um, I would have to say that given how you, we consume news, how we consume information, it's no longer enough to just kind of be in a magazine that's kind of a dead medium. It's no longer just on broadcast or radio. You truly need to be hitting people digitally. And that's where kind of 
influencers take a step oh. in and a really important step. If you're looking for an accountant with an opinion, you've got one right here. So maybe maybe you found a new influencer. <laughs> you should be an influencer. Absolutely. <laughs> Anyone can, you know what? And, and that's why that word is so like sometimes over exhausted. And, you know, we can call them ambassadors. We can call them content creators. It really depends on like what they're bringing to the table. But I do think that anyone and everyone should be using them on some level, but just finding an authentic voice to speak on behalf of your services. So in our PR business, uh, on the PR side of our business, we're, we're more in our organic and, and content. So we're, exactly. we're, in, we're in media side. So that's, that's why it's a bit different. Um, we, we use the term thought leader. It's very popular these days, thought leader. What's the difference in your opinion between a thought leader and an influencer, or is there a difference at all? I think you kind of hit it on the nail right there is the fact that, you know, a thought leader, tastemakers, all these like fun buzzwords, uh, influencers typically paid, you know, this is an earned media, uh, uh, sorry, not earned paid media approach. Uh, so when you're working with an influencer in my realm and the way we make money and how we are successful, it truly is brokering those deals. So putting a price tag on that pay to play approach. So it's very interesting because if you, if you look at the two words and you say the thought leader, which is something in the professional world, is very popular. It's, you know, how do, how do you get the information out? Let's talk about thought leadership. Let's talk about, you know, writing, documentation, everything that comes with it. And now I think influencer being paid automatically, my back goes up and I go, well, I is know. this, you know, accountant or a car salesman? Right. So maybe clarify some of that for us. And you know what, though? That's the thing is that we're not the car salesmen. We're really like brokers, right? So if you're following someone, you're following them because if they are a thought leader, you like what they have to say or you want to engage in a conversation with them. So right now, the influencing side of it, and if there is that paid, that ad, I know people think it's a little bit, it deters you, right? If you're reading the caption, you're saying sponsored by so-and-so, they're like, all right, well, does she truly or does he truly uh, like what they're putting out there. Um, genuinely, I have to say that a lot of the time, the type of creators we are working with, they will refuse money. They will, if it's not truly, and then you have the other ones and that's not the ones we really want to work with or the ones that'll just like take any dollar sign, right? right. But I think that's true to any business. You need so to find the authentic people. I'd also mention just from the technicals perspective, and although we don't do influencer marketing and I'd be terrible at it, you know, I can acknowledge that it does have a role. You know, for instance, right now you have to pay to get on Facebook. It is very much pay to play and LinkedIn as well. You have to pay for exposure. So if you're paying anyway, you might as well be entertained and engaged by a human being, by a real 100%. person who you like and not, you know, just some boring brand. And you just, it's up to the brands though to do their homework, right? And I have to say there's been a huge shift from when I started five years ago, where it was a lot more of that um, car salesman type of approach, like, oh, work with said influencer because they're great and their content's beautiful. Uh, versus now, it's much more data-driven. I have so many tools at my disposal. Brands are investing a lot. So I have to show that they have a certain engagement rate. So are people engaging with what they're putting out there? Do they have fake followers? Because that's essentially fraud in and of itself, um, is what they're putting out there from a visual perspective appealing. Does it fit within our brand DNA? I have clients who put me on to like trying to figure out what the brand voice and what the influencer strategy is for months before I can even speak to someone or give my elevator pitch. So I think we are becoming a little bit more knowledgeable and data-driven. Obviously, I mean, the, the, the two places, the two concepts of thought leadership and influencers have a place. Absolutely. 
where and how do you define where where would you look at it and say you know you came to talk to fuller and you said to her, i think you know here you could be a thought leader but here we want you to we think you'd get more mileage out of an influencer i think it depends on what your objectives would be right so if you're looking for that authentic thought leader to basically speak on your behalf or to drive conversation or engage your clients, then you're going the thought leader route. If you're just looking to put a service out there being like, hey, you guys should work with Fuller, I'd go the influencer route. And why? Being like, hey, I work with with Fuller Landau. This is what they do for me. Um, that's, in my opinion, the difference. Kareen, tell us how the, how the system works. If someone comes to you, they have a product and they say, I, I need some kind of expert influencer to talk about it, to joke about it, to post about it on social media. Um, how do they get into the system and, um, you know, what's the, what's the process to set up one of these campaigns? Great question. So I'm going to start from the beginning, essentially who, what is the service that we're even giving out? Right? So we are an influencer management agency, meaning that we represent talent across Canada and the U S uh, we represent them in a way that I, I like to say, like we're an extension of their team. So we go out there and either proactively or reactively get them, uh, projects. Because at the end of the day, a lot of this is their main career and their main income. If there's a brand that's approaching us, which happens quite often, and they're saying, hey, this is the type of profile I'm looking for. I often compare it to a modeling agency. So same thing if there was like a shoot and you need someone who is blonde hair, blue eyes. Okay, this is who I have on my roster. Very, very similar situation. So. Persuade the unpersuadable. I, oh, you know, I, I'll call you in because you know somebody's told me <laughs> I should be using the services that you have. What are the questions you're going to ask me? Where are we going to go? Because obviously, you know, I, I I know what I want before you Absolutely. walk in, and the chances are it's wrong. Well, I don't think it's wrong necessarily. I think my first question always is, what is the objective? Like, what is your KPI? Is it to get more people, uh, more clients over at your agency? Is it to grow your social media following? So once we kind of understand a little bit more what your objective is, then I need to understand who is your target demo. Because then I'm able to put influencers forward that kind of fit within that. Because you don't want to come to me and be like, all right, I'm paying X amount of dollars for your services or for the influencer and nothing really went anywhere. So the influencers that you're using, is this a stable of influencers that are exclusive to you or are these people that are you know, working randomly uh, for different people? So they work exclusively to us. I do think that that's a little bit unique to influence all management just because we invest so much more than just flipping an email or answering an email, we truly like stand by them. We're an extension of their team. We, we do a lot of like, first of all, legal. I read documents. I'm not a lawyer by any means, but you know, we're protecting them. Uh, we're acting and vouching for them to make sure that, you know, they're paid at the end of the day, uh, that the project they're not being taken advantage of. So, um, yeah, we, we, from A to Z really, really handle them. So I could ask the two of you, I guess, Dan, while, while we're here, if you know, if you were to, to sit down, I would assume that the two of you can coexist given the services that you 100%. run uh, in, in, in a campaign. 100%. We do very much coexist in a campaign together. He's in charge of the more organic earned, whereas I'm the paid portion. But to be honest, it always has to go in a package deal. I think we need to work in symbios. And then from that way, it, it, you get the best results. Totally. It's, it's important for PR people to to not just stick to the old school stuff. We have to work with web marketers because it's more than just about earned media. It's about visual brand awareness and sort of just getting those little subliminal messages into people's heads. And, and that's a lot of what social media is about. So uh, I don't love 
purchasing ads on Facebook for clients. You know, it, it hurts every, every time I, I approve a $5,000 or $10,000 spend on Facebook or LinkedIn. It seems silly, but it does get your logo out there. And especially if you're in retail or if you're selling a product, a consumer Absolutely. product, it's uh, increasingly necessary. 100%. So is there actually conflict between the two specialties? I'm not being between the two of you, but I'm saying in general, like, do you, is this kind of that, there used you know, to be. this, there you know, med medicine and uh, holistic type environment, or is this now working together nicely? I think it's a working together nicely, but Dan, you can go ahead and. <laughs> I'd say there's no. I'd say that. there's a lot of complementarity. <laughs> we 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 have a relationship with a couple marketing agencies that we we rely on for more specialized, optimized tasks. And uh, I think as long as there's no overlap, you know, I think the PR people, the old school PR people who are trying to get that earned media, are in a different business than those who are traditional web marketers. So we're really in a in a in a small, off to the side specialty field of marketing. And and um, agencies like Kareens, I think, have much broader application. And it really does work like hand in hand. And we even tell our clients, because we do the earned media as well, is that it needs to complement. We can't no longer just um, hope that a radio station is going to pick us up. We can't hope that a magazine will write about us because it's competitive out there. And it actually might be more cost efficient to work with a thought leader and influencer than it would be to buy uh, big pages in a magazine. Yeah, I think I think it's a fallacy that it's gone on for some time is, is you know, this this whole environment of how you get placed and, and where you go, you know, you can't leave it to chance, you can't leave it to luck. Uh, it doesn't mean that you have to, you know, be spending an arm and a leg at the end of the day, but there are ways to do things. And, Absolutely. and I think a lot of people don't recognize this, you know, and those two words on your when I was looking at the website that, that, that grabbed me is was consistency and authenticity. You know, and 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 it's it's part of a campaign. It's part of a brand management. It's part of a personal brand. It's you know, it's everything that that, that you're working on. And and so, how do you manage that? How do you manage to keep uh, that environment going between consistency and authenticity? I think that's special to influence all management. I'd like to say that that you know we've recently done a whole brand exercise, and that's like our core values. So by being consistent, meaning that if you do have a product, it's going out there that we are hitting you guys on all points. So making sure the earned and the paid is there. Um, and then honesty and transparency is from a budget standpoint, in my opinion, when we say that, like we, you pay for what you get as opposed to oversell it was like a, not that there's anything wrong with car salesmen, but. So how much, how much control do you have working internally with, uh, with an organization? I mean, I watched over the years, well, you'll bring somebody in, you get off the ground, not you guys, but like we would bring somebody in, you'd we'd get off the ground with them and you're like, ah, I can do this myself. Ah, I can do the rest of this, <laughs> you know, and, and, you know, I'll, I'll scr try and skimp and, 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 and save on some dollars. And then all of a sudden you see your brand going like five different directions all of a sudden. It's so tough. And I think Dan can even speak to that as well, because when it comes to the whole marketing, traditional marketing and more earned media, uh, a lot of the time the results aren't as tangible, to be honest, as influencer marketing. Influencer marketing, I can give you the data right after we've done a project together. I could tell you how many impressions, how much reach, who engaged, who purchased. If you're giving me a link, I can tell you exactly like what the end results are uh, versus traditional PR where, you know, you got to... <laughs> always need to give a value right you're like hey i was in this magazine they're like well what does that mean i'm like well it increased your brand value um and you know it's it's it's, it's interesting because then they really want to be in that magazine and then when they finally make it you're like great we were there but our sales didn't necessarily see a significant increase yeah, so, so it's, it's this it's an interesting you're, you're dance you're, you're talking to accountants all they want is roi <laughs> well yes. I, and, and everyone you know. wants roi 
and with PR, we actually have to say specifically, we don't tie our goals to ROI. That, that's actually... Uh, and how does that ethics. conversation go for you? Because uh, oftentimes <laughs> not, it doesn't go really Not great sometimes. Well. That's, that's, yeah. it, indeed, it's, uh, we have to measure these things over the long term. So for that's, sure. you know, and we I, look at six months to a year generally, and, um, and our success is not measured uh, typically week to week or even quarter to quarter necessarily. And it's a lot, it's hard to put a price on relationships, you know, relationships with these um, journalists, with uh, radio talk show hosts, with people on TV, telling them that, hey, I'm introducing you to this amazing product uh, once, you got to hit them twice, three times, six times, then hopefully they like fall in love and talk about it. Whereas influencer marketing, it's, hey, do you like this product? Yes. All right, cool. This is what I need from you. This is how much we're going to pay you. Great. And in return, they're getting a lot of content, which is not something you always get necessarily in earned. So we're going to come out of COVID eventually. Um, one of the conversations that you know we've been having recently is the whole business development and, and personal brand of individuals uh, as we go out there. And those people that have been in the profession, uh, like a firm like ours for 20 or 30 years, kind of rode the coattails of the 20-year relationship as they walked into the COVID and not being able to see each other and build the way they were before. And a lot of young people who didn't have those are, you know, are having a harder time rebuilding at this point. Um, what kind of advice or what kind of direction would you would you try and push people and, and how would how would what you do come into play? It's so sad and scary, honestly. Like uh, I have to say, without Fuller, uh, when we started, uh, when COVID started, um, you had to kind of put a pause on everything, right? Now, our clients didn't know what was going to happen for them, especially if we had any restaurant clients. Forget it; they were pulling the plug on everything. Um, but I have to say, influencer marketing and everything at Influence All was quite steady throughout and Fuller was there to kind of just manage like the expectations and you know from a business perspective so I not I know not everyone has an accounting agency or an accountant um, necessarily but for me that was kind of like what allowed me to shift into safe mode uh, with with COVID. Our guest is Karine Idrisi, founder of Influence All Management. She'll be with us in a moment again for her one piece of advice for today's entrepreneur. But first, we welcome back Peter Joseph Moretis, tax partner at FL, to talk about the upcoming year end for corporations and uh, some uh, possible rumors ahead of the federal budget as well. Welcome back, Peter. Hey, Dan. How's it going? Good. How are you? Good. So um, first, um, what, when is the, is the federal budget coming soon? We, we've been promised one for quite a while. When is it? Um, if you can find somebody who knows, I would love to find out because we've been wondering now for over uh, over a year. Uh, Quebec did come announce that uh, it wouldn't be until April, which usually is at the, the the furthest that they normally propose the budgets. Um, for for the federal, we, we still don't have any uh, any idea yet. Traditionally, the budgets were always usually held like the end of year, right? Government years, and then the, the, we're, we're sitting in a March 31st, so the budget was just as they kicked off a new year. But last year's, I think, was supposed to be the end of March, ended up being June when they came out with something. And, you know, we're all, we're all sitting here awaiting that uh, dastardly wave of the wand to watch our taxes go through the roof to pay for the, uh, the, COVID, uh, the, you know, the COVID subsidy work that's going on. But I think, Pete, the, the reality is, is how much of that do you think we may see this year or is it going to be pushed out another year? So there, there are some governments, I know that in the UK, they actually did announce that they um, were going to increase the corporate tax rates to, I think, just below 20% to 25%. But a lot of the measures are only starting uh, in three, four years from now. Uh, from what the Liberals have said to date, uh, 
I wouldn't expect any tax increase on a 2021 budget um, just because uh, they don't want to stall any economic investments as this as the reopening comes in because uh, Canada starts increasing tax rates. Uh, that being said, what's what's being talked out a lot, and we've 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 mentioned it on this uh, on this uh, on this episode before, is um, the polarization or the politics around. Uh, income inequality and and the, and the difference in uh, and, the, and the growth in wealth in the in the, of the one percent and kind of one of the, the the incomes even though we don't tax it like income is really appreciation of assets of capital so which is taxed at a much lower rate of capital gains there's actually half of what earned income is like as someone who just makes a salary. Uh, the Liberals have said that they won't increase it, but more and more as, as we see the, 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 the deficits grow and, uh, and the need for revenues from, from the government, it's kind of uh, something that um, could easily be increased maybe next year. Um, I think what we're seeing, Pete, is you know that, that that very balanced act of politicians right now looking to try and set the tone for a future federal election, while they try and you know set the coffers and and, and see where we're going, and then same token try and take a political stance and say we're going to take away capital gains have always been considered to be kind of a wealthy uh, investment as opposed to the ordinary individual. So I think that that carries a lot of weight. Uh, from a political scale, not necessarily from a financial scale. And I think the balance between not discouraging investment in capital gains at the end of the day is going to be a very interesting trick over the next little while to make sure that our great grandkids, uh, or at least my great grandkids, Pete, your grand, your kids, because there's a bit of an age gap between us, uh, ultimately at the end of the day are not going to be paying for this forever. No, correct. Like the um, other kind of perceived uh, inequalities, I guess, from a tax system in, in Canada is, is uh, corporations and the fact that corporations pay lower taxes and they're able uh, to accumulate kind of capital and reinvest those. And uh, a few years ago, a few years ago, the, the government kind of came in to try and propose certain taxes on investment income within corporations. There was a big backlash. The 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 farmers and the and the dependent owners came out and were in the on in the in the news. And finally, they came out and they did a uh, they had a rule where it was only capped to a certain number uh, per year, let's say, so that you know most of the people wouldn't actually be impacted by any increase in or tax changes. Um, I could see maybe something like that happening with capital gains, where you know the, they would take a different tax at different like uh, quantums uh, but that to me would just prove that it's purely a political type of decision because uh, from a revenue standpoint you, like you need the, the the tax rate of the masses to really to make a difference from a budget standpoint. Edom Reitas thanks very much we'll talk to you again soon. Perfect thanks for having me on. And Mike as we wrap up we'll ask Karina Dreesey from Influence on Management for her one piece of advice for today's entrepreneur Karine. My goodness, I have like maybe two or three, but I'll, I'll go ahead and just pick one. Um, invest in your team. I think more so than ever, uh, they're crucial to your success in any shape, way, or form. We recently, you know, had someone get hurt and that put her out for six weeks and that kind of like gets you scrambling and you're like, oh my God, what am I going to do next? So always invest in your team. Make sure that you have 
more than enough support so that they can come in, kind of come in and jump in and, you know, invest in them emotionally as well. You know, don't not just financially, but emotionally be there for them, especially during COVID. I've made it extremely important um, efforts to make sure they're well taken care of, whether that's sending them lunch, uh, doing Sanka sets. And I know that not everyone loves it via Zoom, but just to stay connected. So invest in your team. Final thoughts, Mike? Yeah, look, we're, we're still treading through uncharted territory. Uh, I think there's a lot of things that are going on. You, you got to go back to you got to go back to basics, go back to your gut, go back to being human. Uh, I think it goes a long way in, uh, in, 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 you know, where we take things. I think uh, Corinne made the point of investing in your team. You know, when we lived what we lived over the past 10 days, uh, you know, and it, very, very, very unfortunate situation. Uh, you know, we've invested in a team that stepped up at the end of the day and it, it makes you feel like you're doing the right thing uh, in a world where everywhere I turn lately, I'm not sure what the right thing is anymore. So, you know, once in a while to have a little bit of positivity and, and, and working for working as a team to move forward, that's how we're going to, we're going to survive through all of this, the resilience and and the hard work. So uh, hats off to uh, Corinne, to the team, uh, you know, the continued growth that you guys have. And uh, I'm very curious, as we talked about off air before, I'm very curious to see what changes this brings in the the approach that you, you and Dan are going to take in your, your respective businesses and, and how that affects to how we come out of COVID. Thanks so much, Mike. Um, great episode, Corinne. We appreciate you having you back. And one of only maybe half a dozen to, to have a second appearance on today's entrepreneur with another business. Thanks, so, guys. Uh, very rare group. <laughs> Thanks for just stopping by again. Thanks. And don't forget to head over to todaysentrepreneur.org for over a decade worth of entrepreneur profiles. And you can find us on iTunes, iHeartRadio, and wherever you find your podcast. Get the show on demand there. See you next time. Talk.